This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Great to have you as always. Thank you so much for joining. I uh, hope you got a chance, if you couldn't uh, tune in last night, to the Buck Sexton Show from 6 to 9. Uh, it would be great if you would uh, download the podcast. You can download it on iTunes. Just type in Buck Sexton. Uh, Buck Sexton with America now, if you like, and you can subscribe. Please do. It uh, means a lot. I can see those subscription numbers, and with every subscription I see, it's like another member of the team is joining me for my uh, forays into radio at night. So thank you so much for being with me for that, and if you haven't yet gotten a chance, please do. Uh, A couple of notes, um, a couple of different things that I I wanted to get out first, and then we're going to have uh, conversations with some some guests today for the noon show. I need to come up with a cooler name than the noon show and the night show, but or maybe that's just maybe maybe clarity is key here. Maybe that is the best uh, the best that I can do for right now and the difference because they're both Buck Saxon shows. They're both radio. They're both on the Blaze Radio. You can listen to the night show from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. on the Blaze Radio stream. But the best I I love it if you would also just. Do me the solid of subscribing on iTunes. It's free, and you just and then it pops into your pops into your uh, listening feed on iTunes every day. All right. So uh, last night I had James O'Keefe on, and he uh, came on to talk about a, a series of well, it's going to be a a drop of information described as described by him as similar to a WikiLeaks dump from inside the newsrooms of this country. And there's, I had James on and I had, I had been told, and it was because of what he had said on uh, Sean Hannity's radio show, that it was going to be CNN. That was the place that was described as the, uh, the, the, the target here, if you will, of his undercover work. Although in this case, it's just a a leak, really. It's not even project Veritas. uh, As far as I understand it, involved in unearthing uh, the bad behavior of some people inside of a news organization. It was someone inside the news organization who just reached a point where he no longer 
no longer felt like he was, I don't know, able to be silent, or she was able to be silent. Who is this male or female? Uh, and because it was CNN where I had worked and, and, and just saw after two years of showing up over there, I was the CNN contributor for two years, uh, showing up over there and uh, seeing the way, for me it was mostly the on-camera, the on-camera uh, ambushes and the way that they set up segments. It just all felt very uh, staged and phony and dishonest. I mean, it was the same as, as I would get at MSNBC, except at CNN. It's supposed to be different. There are supposed to be standards on these shows, journalistic integrity, uh, nonpartisan, truth-telling. That, that's the, that's the uh, brand, as I understand it. Certainly a lot of people who work there on camera uh, think that that's what CNN is all about. And that just wasn't my experience, uh, whether it was having hosts introduce me as a conservative political commentator and then bring in some far-left uh, loon who would be introduced as a, a political analyst or a CNN political analyst and say, why is... And you've heard me talk about that a little bit before, but just those, those are the kinds of day-to-day uh, -day happenings over at CNN that after a while you realize, okay, so this is, this is how this is going to be. And I would just ask you, I've had you run through the thought experiment before, of which major anchor at CNN do you think voted for Donald Trump? And then even go beyond that, which major anchor at CNN do you think doesn't despise Donald Trump? Answer those questions uh, for yourself, uh, if you would. And then I would also say to you, which uh, conservative, real conservative, not, you know, Donald Trump, uh, what they thought Donald Trump was part of a circus, and so anybody attached to him was like a circus clown, and now they're kind of stuck with some of them. But which uh, strong alpha male or alpha female conservative voice do you hear over there in a way that that person is being elevated and, and might get a, a show or is going to become a prominent fixture of the network? I don't know. I mean, maybe we could think of one, but I don't know of one off the top of my head. So that tells you a lot, I would think about. It. You've got other people. Even Van Jones has a show over there now. Reza Aslan has a special. Uh, I believe Jamel Bowie has a uh, has a special that he does, and you know, there's a lot of people over there that get shows and are elevated by the network, and I'm sure are paid very handsomely, and they're not conservatives. So let's just start there. Okay, you know all that. So when O'Keefe came on last night and wanted to talk to me or talk to the audience, didn't really want to talk to me. He wants to hear people. He wants people to hear what he has to say. Although I've always had very pleasant uh, interactions with James uh, about CNN. I, I was enthusiastic insofar as I figured, okay, maybe there'll be some real, uh, some real bombshells. But I have to tell you, I, I watched the video this morning and I had said to producer Amy last night, I said, uh, I, this is either going to be really interesting or kind of go out with a whimper. And so far I have to say, I'm, I'm disappointed. Um, this is the tapes are from 2000. It's the main header on drudge right now. The main story, the main story on the drudge report is this James O'Keefe video. And he does make the offer of $10,000 for anybody who would expose their newsroom. But keep in mind, anybody who has real access to a major newsroom, $10,000, they're, they're, if they're ever found out, they would never be able to work in, I think, media again, certainly not in the, in the mainstream media. So you better make that ten grand go a long way and you better not get caught. Uh, that's to start with. And I, I also, as much as I 
enjoy coming out uh, on radio and talking to you about how I've seen this myself. And you know, you'll notice I don't I don't make it uh, personal. I don't forward. I would never post emails from CNN employees to me that show the bias. Or I just think that that's not who that's not who I am. I wouldn't do that. Uh, I wouldn't. Anybody who has a personal interaction with me can trust that I'm I'm being honorable and and respect respecting their privacy in that interaction. So I, I do have a little bit of discomfort with the notion that now we're hoping for private conversations in the workplace to be taped and released. We are now all creating our own surveillance state increasingly with all of our social media use and also now the uh, political fights that are happening where people are... The, the, the best way to win a political argument, it seems, these days... And I'm not. I'm not thinking. By the way, of the this is a completely separate discussion. Let me be clear from what happened with Milo. Um, but the best way to win a political argument these days is to take down the person who represents the other side on a, on a totally unrelated matter. That seems to, the the politics of personal destru- destruction, which is a phrase that I've heard many times. I'm sure it's people who were older than I was in the '90s probably can tell you exactly who coined it or what have you. I don't know off the top of my head. But that's the order of the day. Everyone's trying to find what the Russians would call the compromat, or what is it, compromatsia? I don't know. We've got to get Schindler on here to tell me how to pronounce it correctly um, with all the Russia stuff. But the compromising information on your political opponents, this, this creates, I don't know the left already does it, and there's, ar- there's this argument right off the bat, and I'm really just sort of musing with you here. This is me in a, in a stream of consciousness freestyle on a, what are we on? A, is today Thursday or Wednesday? Today's Wednesday, isn't it? Oh my God. Oh no, it's Thursday. Wow. Didn't know what day it was. Thank you, Shamont. Uh, it is Thursday. Good job, Buck, on the knowing what day it is almost. So, it's been, I'm doing a lot of radio these days. It's all blending together in my head. And uh, five hours a day feels like 15 hours a day. So, although I love it, I'm just saying it's long. Uh, where was I in all this? Oh, yeah, the, the left already plays this game, and so I can understand why people on the right would want to do the same thing. But I, I'm just hitting some cautionary notes here. I, I had uh, David French on, on the night show earlier in the week to talk about how it would be nice if employers would, for example, stop feeling the need to fire people because of their private, their, their, I shouldn't say privately expressed, but their political views expressed on private time. You know, within within limits, right? I mean, if somebody says, you know, overthrow the government and attack government employees with, with machetes, I mean, yeah, you, you fire that person, right? But if somebody says, you know, I don't really agree with the transgender bathroom policies of the Obama administration, even if you're an employer who really doesn't like that, or doesn't reflect your values, that's a legitimate political debate. Maybe we could stop firing people over that. Um, you know, that, that, would be, that would be nice. And, you know, yeah, I also saw uh, earlier today, on, on Twitter, uh, Dr. Gorka, whom I've uh, always found to be a, a gentleman and is kind enough to call into this show and the night show sometimes. You know, some journalist uh, had, an, had an exchange with him on the phone over, look, these people are going after individuals in the Trump administration left and right, and they were able to take down Flynn, and now they want to take down, and people say, oh, well, Trump fired Flynn. It wasn't, yeah, but the, the pressure around that whole situation was entirely a construct of the media. I mean, Flynn doesn't have Flynn doesn't feel the need to say anything untruthful to Pence if there wasn't the concern that it would inflame the Flynn is in the pocket of Russia narrative that the media constructed. We all get that. So that's let's just put that out there and be clear about that. 
You know, Dr. Gorka, and I wouldn't even talk about it if it wasn't already being, it's Jake Tapper has tweeted it out from CNN. You know, they're, they're now making this a, a news item. Dr. Gorka's having a phone uh, a phone call exchange with some Newsweek, uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't know who he is actually. He's a, a, some, supposedly a, a counterterrorism, cyber counterterrorism expert, I believe, he deals with social media terrorism. And there's a lot of resentment out there right now for, th- there are people and this is an important thing, and I, I know all about this. Oh, by the way, side note, the, the latest person to leave the government and say that he quit the intelligence community uh, because of Trump. I haven't even read his editorial yet. I have to. We, we, know, each, we know each other quite, quite well, which I think is funny. Um, anyway, a lot of people that I know from the uh, intel community side are, uh, well, a lot of people that I know who have left and are open about it it seems to me recently are now stepping out into the public eye. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes. Um, so Gorka has a phone call with this individual, and the guy records the phone call. I, I'm assuming that he must he must have told them it was being recorded because otherwise you would be falling afoul, most likely, of interstate wiretapping statutes. I, 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 not to be the guy who's like waving the, the legal book around on this, but... I'm assuming he must have said, I'm, I'm going to record this. And Gorka said, fine, because otherwise he might be. He might be. Depends on the states that they're in. And I have to look at the books. He might be committing a crime. But this guy is uh, attacking Dr. Gorka's credentials and essentially calling him a fraud publicly. And Gorka's on the phone with him. And Gorka offers to have coffee with him and talk to him about it. And the guy's just uh, trying to goad him and then push this stuff uh, takes this conversation and, and publishes it such that it appears. I'm not looking for it. It appeared in my. Twitter feed, and I can just understand why why people increasingly don't don't even want to do this and step out and work for the conservative cause because they're just going to get annihilated. And one thing that the right is very bad at, and it's something that I I kind of want to sit down in a room of all these people that write big checks to the th- the the think tanks in DC that do some very good work but also do a lot of anonymous who cares work and employ a lot of people that don't do all that much and say to them you know you'll notice how Podesta runs the runs a failed Hillary Clinton campaign and his emails are hacked and may- maybe even maybe even in a sense uh causes Hillary Clinton to at least according to some democrats this is what they say I don't believe this but to lose the election uh, and he's now a Washington Post columnist. I'm sure he's on the board. He's going to be on the board of a couple of companies. He'll get consulting gigs. And they take care of their people. And what you see on the right is we all sit around and talk about how we want heroes to stand up for us in the Constitution. And then somebody somebody gets usually reputation. Their reputation is destroyed. In the case of Dr. Gorka, I'm not saying his reputation is destroyed, but this is what the effort is, obviously, to undermine his credentials and then make him mad. And then the same thing. There was a reporter that had Dan Bongino on the phone and released that uh, released that audio trying to make Dan, who's a a great guy and a really nice guy, uh, look bad. But this is what they do. And I, I, I think it's annoying for it's annoying for many of us to watch this and say, you know, who has the left always has the left's back. The left takes care of its own. And they know that if they get caught up in something, uh, you know, that looks bad or they, they fail, as long as they were part of the mission, they'll, they'll be employed, they'll get jobs in media, consulting, speaking, they'll get a nice book deal, they'll, you know, somebody will put the, park them in communications at some company somewhere, 
they'll always be taken care of. On the right, it's, you know, put yourself and your family at risk of public humiliation. And, you know, because we're conservatives and don't believe that anybody should have a, you know, a job for life or whatever, if something goes wrong, you're on your own. I mean, that, that it's much more common on our side. Uh, you know, no one's going to rush to offer General Flynn, I would think, a book deal from at least a big publisher. Uh, no one's going to be paying him $150,000 a speech. Um, and I know I, I got diverted from the surveillance state conversation about O'Keefe. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm hoping O'Keefe has better stuff that we're going to find out because I listened, I listened to it this morning. And the stuff's from 2009, and it is not going to have any any impact right now on the conversation but he said there's a lot of stuff out there and he's hoping to crowdsource it and use the public's help to find worthwhile stuff in there but so far uh, i'm like you got somebody who's taping private conversations in the workplace and this is all they've come up with it's actually actually doesn't make cnn look look that look bad at all really from what i've heard i haven't heard all of it i there's hundreds of hours i'm just saying i i saw the seven minute clip that's released and i was thinking we can do better. I mean, I could tell you guys anecdotes about CNN that have more uh, that have more punch than what we've seen from 2009 in these tapes. So, look, I, I appreciate O'Keefe's mission. I hope he's successful in exposing the media. Um, but so far, I'm like, ah, this is not really not really what I was hoping it would be. Um, and uh, all right, I I'm, I've gone long here as I tend to do, and I'm just going stream of consciousness. Uh, phones are open 888-900-3393 if you want to call in we'll be right back team Buck Sexton The Blaze Radio Network Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Sponsor this hour team is Silencer Shop. There is no better place to go for a silencer for your firearm than silencershop.com. They've got a fantastic selection, all the latest brands, wide selection of them, and you're going to want to check out their entire site. All of the questions you may have will be answered. They've got great testimonials. They know this business inside and out. And there's some paperwork you got to go through to get approved for a silencer. They know exactly how to do it. They make the, the buying, uh, or the, the paperwork process and the buying as simple as it can possibly be. And I'm telling you, a silencer is a must-have accessory for your firearm. It makes the whole experience more enjoyable. I've been out there in the range. It's awesome. It, you don't have to worry about ear pro. You go out there, you shoot, and, and it makes the whole thing more fun. And I hate when my, my ears, after shooting a lot, 
I feel like they've been through hell because even with the ear pro in there, it's just unless you get the double ear pro and then you're like, gosh, I got earplugs. I got muff. I got the uh, ear muffs on top of them. Uh, anyway, you should uh, you should check it out. Silencershop.com is a place to go. Silencershop.com. Uh, help make the world a quieter place. So I was talking to you. What we were talking about O'Keefe a little bit and the uh, video that he's put up. $10,000 offer bounty for evidence of media malfeasance. I, you know, I think that the part of the problem here is that, no, it's a mindset. It's not going to get exposed. And look, I might be totally wrong, and I'm the first. I'm the first one who'll come on air and say, O'Keefe nailed this thing. I'm, I'm the worst. You know, I'm. I, you know, I should go and wear a horsehair shirt and walk around, and be all self-flagellating. Um, we all know what that is, right? So anyway. Uh, I don't think you're going to find any gotcha moment with uh, with the media on this stuff because it's just the way they think. It's not necessarily going to be something that they say. And any one individual, you know, we, we don't want to be living in a, in a totalitarian state where any one individual who says, well, I hate Donald Trump, who works for a news organization, is somehow representative of that news organization, even though we know that that's what they all think. <laughs> so this is, this, is the, this is the conundrum. It's quite complicated. Uh, once you begin to look at it that way, you understand it's very hard to find evidence of a top-down bias. And the people who are at the top, who run these organizations, are usually pretty savvy about who they'll say what to, and they know. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, anyway, and I just, I'm, I'm annoyed. I, I The whole thing with Dr. Gorka, I almost, this part, I, I just want to stick up for Dr. Gorka because I really like him, but I also feel like maybe I shouldn't talk about this phone conversation. It's been posted by Newsweek.com, though, so, but there's just so many, so many jealous punks out there all over the place. All right, team, we've got more. I'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Dispensing the truth. This is Buck Sexton. On the Blaze Radio Network. All right, everybody. We are joined by Matt Walsh. He is the author of the Matt Walsh blog. He is a Blaze writer. You can read his latest on theblaze.com. Also, download the Matt Walsh podcast. Mr. Walsh, thanks for making the time today. Hey, great to be here. Uh, So, the administration has rescinded the Obama administration's bathroom a uh, transgender bathroom policy and you know I, i'm even i'm getting people that i know even that are saying how could anyone be so so cruel why is everyone so mean this yet again we have to return to this issue of so now we have to allow 12 year old boys to use the locker room in the bathroom of 12 year old girls or else we're mean this this is what this country has come to matt yeah not only that but this uh, order, the original one from the way that the media is talking about it, you would think that this is some uh, that Trump is overturning some rule that's been in place for you know decades, and it's uh, so it's, it's just it's really dramatic move on his part. This is a um, order that Obama passed, I think, in 2015. So, and that had already been had already been uh, had already been blocked by the courts. So he's not even really effectively, it's, it, I don't think it even is going to change very many people's lives uh, on the ground in the school systems. And then aside from that, yeah, of course, what what, uh, what what he's doing is simply saying, 
you know, we're, we're, first of all, we're getting the federal government out of it. And we're going, so it's not even as though he, the federal government is now saying you have to make bullies pee with other boys. What they're saying is that schools can have that rule if they want, which, of course, is the correct rule. So the whole, the whole the entire thing is, is ridiculous. The reaction to it, of course, is ridiculous. I just, uh, I just also have to point out, uh, and I know you're familiar with this, but for everybody who's listening, it's not. Ju- it, it never stops. So even if, let's say that the Trump administration caved, and the entirety of the of the right, the the terrifying right wing in this country, whatever that means to whomever thinks this is a big deal, that the bathroom policy, that as you point out, Obama was was seemingly willing to let transgender kids be ruthlessly bullied and their lives destroyed. Until like the the second part of his presidency, then all of a sudden it was too much, and every president before him just didn't care about transgender kids at all. Clearly, so that that's what we're supposed to believe that this is a huge. I, I guess I think it's a civil rights victory, but it doesn't stop even if the bathroom policy at the federal level was uh, it was stayed in place. The Obama administration's policy, we're already seeing this stuff across the country in schools now, where you've got you know a boy who says he's transitioning gets to play on the women's sports team. We've got an MMA fighter who's a male transitioning to female who wants to fight women. He's anatomically male. You have a, a female who wants to who's just won in Texas, I believe, a, a local or state wrestling championship in high school. Well, she's taking testosterone, so now she's biochemically different from other females. It is a performance enhancing drug, just like human growth hormone would be. So it never stops just at using the bathrooms. It's actually the erasing of gender as a thing. That that's what I think is so interesting here. Yeah, once you once you get rid of it's it's like the left with with everything else with all of their uh, with their entire agenda with their entire social agenda it's a, it's about get, erasing lines and, and lines that make sense lines that are that stem from you know science and biology and these fundamental you know inherent kind of fundamental sense of morality and they they get rid of these lines and then they redraw it you know a little bit a little bit further down the road. But then, well, why do we draw, redraw it there? So you erase that line, you keep redrawing, 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 and then eventually there are no lines at all. So yeah, it's it's with with the transgender issue. Either we, you know, you're a boy because you have the Y chromosome and the penis, or or there's there are no rules at all, and anyone can just be whatever they want. And yeah, if a, if a boy wants to to uh, if you have a you know a 180 pound. Uh, 17 year old boy that wants to wrestle girls how could you possibly prevent that just like as you mentioned the mma fighter i forget his name uh that you know gets in the ring and just beats the other ever living hell out of women um and liberals feel like they can't they, they can't protest and they can they fallon fallon fox is the guy's name matt and and i was reading it because i was looking up uh, looking up this uh, story yesterday just across the board on transgenders and and just as as a side note all the things that I would have been saying even three or four years ago about, well, if this happens, then this will happen. And people on the left, whether on you know social media or people who debate on TV or wherever, would say, oh, that's that's a straw man. That's not real. Those things are all happening now. Right. So the guy who says he's transitioning to female who wants to be in a female prison, I think it was in Australia or maybe it was in the UK. That's already happening. Now he's now you've got a guy in a female prison uh, that that men could compete or that young men, teenagers, uh, teenage boys, whatever, uh, adolescents can compete on women's sports teams. Four or five years ago, that was, oh, we're. 
you're just being a right wing crazy. Now that's already happening. So it, this this is the the inevitability of the progressives descent into even crazier positions is a real thing. And I just want to ask, I mean, you you have I know a, a couple of kids. Um, I, I don't have any kids, but you have kids. And as a parent. I feel like I would look at all these people who say that I'm being mean because I don't want my either boy or girl changing and sharing bathrooms with, you know, equivalent age people of the opposite sex. Uh, I think that the parents, the parents wanting to protect the kids from that situation should trump the I just want to be open minded and love everybody with a progressive hug. But that doesn't seem to be working right now. Yeah, and the leftists don't care much about about what parents think about anything, especially especially when you weigh you know, parents against the government, against the schools. Leftists are always going to come down on the side of the government and schools because they don't trust parents and they don't and they don't care about families or trust families. Uh, but, yeah, that's one of the astounding things that we've seen happen with the transgender agenda, particularly when it comes to the issue of the bathrooms and schools and everything, how the um, safety of women and girls has just gone. They just don't care. It's, it's the, the, the uh, hostility they have even to that argument. When you, when you have actual girls saying, Listen, I don't want a man with me in the, in, in the bathroom in the locker room. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And all of a sudden you have uh, liberals who, who utterly reject that and say, well, too bad, deal with it. You know, that's your problem. You have to deal with it. When in any other circumstance or situation, even in an absurd situation, if a woman says, this makes me uncomfortable, we all have to bend over backwards to accommodate it. You know, if a woman says it makes her uncomfortable because she felt uh, sexually harassed because she was complimented by a man the way she didn't like in that case, leftists will say, well, yeah, you know, arrest the man. He's a sexual harasser, maybe a rapist. But if a woman says, I don't want him in the bathroom with me, now there, that's where they draw the line and say, you know, hey, hey, buck up, princess, and, and, uh, and, and you know, stop exaggerating. So it's just, it's complete, it's complete insanity. Right. Now, now if, if you don't want your, your 14-year-old daughter in the, in the bathroom with a 14-year-old male who thinks he's trans as a female, you're being a snowflake. This is what I'm seeing now. Oh, oh, okay. So that's, that's as you point out, that's where the line is drawn. What do you say to people, Matt? I'm, I'm just curious as to what your response would be because uh, this is, I, I see the debates happening and, you know, I, I applaud you for being willing to roll up the sleeves and, and battle trolls uh, with, with good cheer. I just, I just sometimes want to throw my, you know, my my laptop or my phone out the window and like never go near any of these debates ever again because people are so stupid. But you're good about actually about actually setting people straight online when people say things like, "Well, it used to be that you know uh, homosexuality was a uh, it was considered by psychiatrists a mental disorder and they they were trying to, to cure it and now now people are in agreement that this is the way people are born and this isn't some choice that they just make." Isn't transgenderism just like that? What do you say to that? Well, what I say to that is what you, what exactly is the scientific discovery that occurred in the last few years that has changed this? Now, we know, yeah, we know that in the 1970s, um, homosexuality was removed from the uh, Diagnostic Statistical Manual Mental Disorders, but even that was largely a political move. It, the, the psychiatrist, the American Psychiatric Association was was a was a pressure politically, and so they caved to it. But in, in this case, it's even more blatant that we've seen the polit- we've seen political and ideological pressure put on the psychiatric community to stop referring to these people as mentally disordered. So we know about that. But what no one can point to me is what is that what breakthrough occurred that proved or even possibly indicated that someone with a with a functioning re- male reproductive system and a Y chromosome could actually be a woman. Therefore, if he claims to be one, he's not mentally disordered. 
what, what is it? What happened? And, and they can't point to it. There, there hasn't been some big breakthrough discovery. This is just I also, politics changed. And so, unfortunately, in this case, the medical and scientific community changed with it. I, I don't mind if people feel bad because uh, I, I'm explaining to them why their ideas are wrong and their ideas, ideas are stupid. But I, I try to avoid, well, I don't, I'm not always successful. I'm the first to admit that. I try to avoid being, being mean. And, and one thing that I really don't like is that now if I'm not willing to say, and, and I don't, you know, if somebody wants to wear a wig or dress up as a woman and walk down the street when they're actually anatomically, and I guess that's actually unnecessary to say, they're just actually male. Uh, but if they want to dress, if they want me to, if the guy's name was Bob his whole life and now he wants me to call him Susan and that's how he, it, okay, you can change your name. You know, people can make their own choices and we live in a free country and, you know, I, I don't have any beef with any of that. I mean, it's not my choice, but that's, you know, live and let live. But when they want me to say he when it's a she or she when it's a he, that feel that that is too much for me. And it's not because I want to be mean. I don't I don't encourage the bullying of these people. I don't want anyone to be rude to transgender people. But this is a, a sticking point for me, Matt, because now if you won't use the pronoun that is preferred, you're being cruel. This is the new narrative. And I'm just like, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I, I can't call a he a she. Yeah, because these words, these words have meaning. You know, pronouns have a certain meaning, and we and, and to call a, a, a he or she is to participate in a lie. It's to lie for their sake, and that's when the other thing that they do that I just got this from someone online. And you hear it all the time is, you know, they come with their agenda and they say, okay, men can be women now, and we simply resist. And then they say, well, why do you care so much? You know, why is it in your business? What, what, what do you care for? Why do you care so much? Stop caring. Well, we're, we didn't care. I mean, we were fine. We, we were just living our <laughs> lives, and men were men, and women were women, and everything was fine. They're the ones who came along and tried to and decided to make this transgender thing, transgenderism, you know, 0.01% of the population or whatever. They decided to make it into a national issue. We didn't. We were fine. You know, no, there, there weren't any conservatives launching any campaigns against transgenderism 10 years ago, even though, yeah, it did exist, because liberals hadn't, hadn't insisted that the entire nation must accept it. They're the ones who made it into an issue and insisted that we care. So they insist that we care and then and then yell at us for caring. I mean, which is it? I only care because you yeah. because now I have to care about this because you've decided to launch a war on reality and now I have to care. That's why I care. I agree that war war a war on reality. I have to say I totally, I totally agree that, that that's I just can't. I just and and I think Matt, we're actually heading to a place now where. Just wait until the first lawsuits in the in the workplace come up when someone says, you know, oh, do, do you know, uh, is, is he coming in later today? And it's, oh, no, oh, no, Buck, it's it's a she. Uh, you know, uh, and now am I going to be liable? Am I going to get sued? Because, you know, I, I think the I'm answer, sure. by the way, is yes. Probably, yeah, I think probably are, you, you you probably would be. And the Supreme, by the way, Supreme Court's going to take this issue up about the bathroom thing. And who knows how that's going to go. I mean, if the Supreme Court announces that there's some sort of constitutional right that a man has to be treated as a woman, uh, I, I mean, you know, forget about it. I don't, I don't know what happens in America. At, <laughs> at that, that point, point, I don't, I don't, yeah, uh, I, I don't know what the objective happens. truth is. What, what is the objective truth they're operating under? And Matt, what is, do you have a column up today, or when's your next one coming out? Uh, probably not till uh, I'm working on something right now, but it might not be up till next week. But uh, I'll keep everyone posted. You got anything up on? Uh, are you going to have anything up on the transgender stuff, or going to be something else? Um, yeah, I've been writing a little bit about the, about the transgender. In fact, uh, someone someone just sent me uh, from Purdue University a uh, something that they saw. That's Purdue University has a, a safe space that they've that they've uh, that they put together today for uh, people, you know, grown adults at the campus that are 
um, that are upset and distraught over the fact that boys can't be with girls now. And so I put that up on Facebook. I thought it was kind of interesting. <laughs> okay, nice. I'll, I'll see you in the safe space, uh, Matt, later. Thanks for telling me about that. And uh, everybody check out Matt Walsh's uh, blog. I'll go read his latest on The Blaze. And if you haven't, uh, definitely check out his podcast, The Matt Walsh Podcast. Matt, thanks so much today, buddy. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot, bud. Uh, team, we're going to hit a break. We'll be right back. This is The Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, Kellyanne Conway is out there speaking for the administration, and, and she said that the rescinding the transgender bathroom policy from the Obama administration is just about states' rights. Play the clip, please. This is all about states' rights. The president believes in federalism, and he thinks the states, each state has the right to decide what is best with respect to this particular issue. And if you look at the publicly released statement by Attorney General Jeff Sessions, he's made clear that we need a more judicial analysis on this particular issue. But this is very consistent with a president who has promised to bring power back to the states. Uh, that which is not reserved to the federal government belongs to the states. You know, the, uh, the, uh, the way this is being reported on, and it was, I saw the New York Times main piece last night, the way it's reported on, it's as though they're, they're pulling back long established, and this is also reiterating Matt's point from earlier on the show, uh, they're pulling back long cherished protections of the transgender community that are you know, enshrined in our constitution. It's like, uh, this is just saying that schools get to decide what they're going to do about transgender students and... This doesn't. This notion, by the way, that there should be bullying or anything else is. Uh, I just think it's it's a it's a distraction. I mean, no one is pro. No, no sane, normal human being is is pro bullying of anybody. Uh, and this just means that schools maybe they make an accommodation where there's a bathroom that's specific to students who have this need. Um, you know, that's that's an option. Uh, some schools are going to say you got to use the bathroom that is anatomically yours, but we'll, there'll be a stall. So you have the privacy to change. I mean, that's, you know, otherwise what you have is the federal government, you know, telling, you know, school district in, in Kentucky and Florida and everywhere, uh, you know, Texas, Alabama, New Jersey, that, when someone's a male, we all have to say that she's a female and vice versa. And that's just, that's just not right. It is the opposite of right. It is wrong. All right, we got more coming. Stay with me. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. 
All right, Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hunt. Israel Ortega joins us now. He's a senior writer for Opportunity Lives, where he focuses on immigration, education, and other policy areas. Uh, he's also a political commentator, uh, and he comes to Opportunity Lives from the Heritage Foundation, where he founded Libertad.org. All right, Israel, thank you for calling in. Hey, Buck. Uh, so what do you think about the latest Trump moves on immigration? Let's talk about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, it, it makes sense in terms of uh, enforcing existing immigration laws. I mean, for, for quite some time, as you know, we, we really haven't been doing that in the previous administration and circumventing Congress uh, when uh, the president didn't get his way. So uh, in many ways, President Trump is simply enforcing existing immigration law. Uh, you know, my, my concern is, is, is sort of the cost and, 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 and how big government is going to get as a result of what President Trump is proposing. And so I would just urge caution. And I think Congress certainly has a role to play in, in, in terms of, um, you know, providing some feedback and guidance as this is implemented. Now, uh, you think, based on what I see here uh, from your Twitter account, that that the uh, that that DACA was that that Trump is right on DACA. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, that that that's a no brainer. Uh, I mean, I think I think uh, you know the fact is that some of the, the, the these kids were brought here uh, not you know because of their own you know uh, you know this is basically as, as those kids you know so they, I don't think they, they did anything wrong. Um, by coming here because their parents came here legally. Um, and I mean, you know, the, the numbers are out there. I mean, a lot of these kids uh, are have either uh, gotten a college degree or pursuing postgraduate degrees. They have jobs or employed. So, I mean, they're not a burden on our society. And so, to me, it makes sense for them to stay in this country. So, uh, I think President Trump showed great compassion on that. But again, this is, this is a short-term thing. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, Congress would have to codify this into law. And, and unfortunately, I think President Trump is just sort of doing an extension and not sort of uh, doing something more long term. And so you're OK then or, or you're supportive of the expansion of the those who are mm-hmm. possibly facing deportation now include anybody who is in the country illegally and commits an additional crime. Right. That's and so it doesn't have to just be a violent crime or a serious crime. It can yeah. be document fraud. It can be DUI, which is pretty serious, but uh, it, yeah. it can be things that traditionally or until recently were not considered to be uh, uh, de- de- deportable, yes, but very unlikely to be deportable. Right. Well, I think that for part of this, we're going to wait and see. I mean, uh, on calls, on media calls, the uh, Department of Homeland Security said that like, first they don't, they don't have the, the capacity to sort of round up people and that this is going to be done humanely. And so I take them at their word. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there are not concerns about how this is actually done. Um, I think that it, it, it's fair to say that there are going to be some individuals who are going to be arrested, deported, who have committed no other crime than just being here in this country illegally. Um, but that, you know, this is this is something that happened even during uh, President Obama's administration and President Bush's administration. So, so some of that will be there. Uh, but again, you know, I just I, I do worry, particularly when it comes to. Uh, empowering local law enforcement officials to carry out federal law, to enforce federal law. You know, that, that doesn't just happen overnight, and, and that doesn't prevent uh, abuses, as we saw in Maricopa County in Arizona a few years back. Now, what do you think the Trump administration should do uh, with regard to sanctuary cities? It looks like there's going to be a showdown here between the various localities across the country that think that yeah. they don't have any obligation to assist law enforcement and immigration matters. Trump is saying we're going to pull back uh, funding, federal funding for those cities 
and we're going to make examples of them and use the force of the federal government to make them comply. Uh, what do you think the proper course is here? Right. I mean, uh, it, 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 it's a little bit um, uh, worrisome, you know, when the government is sort of extorting um, states and, and, and local governments. I mean, we saw this with Obama with Race to the Top. And so just as a matter of principle in terms of federalism, it's a little bit of, a little bit concerning. But Did we? I can't hear. Israel, are you there? Hello? We're going to have more of these battles with the states and the federal government going at it and then going to the courts. And so if I'm President Trump, you know, I, I, I do look at, at okay, what do, what's the long-term vision here? Um, and if the political capital is there, um, how do I use some of that to, to really work with Congress to come up with something that is going to basically prevent more of what we're seeing here day to day? And the uh, Labor Secretary, um, you wrote here on OpportunityLives.com, Trump's uh, Labor Secretary Acosta, he's the son of Cuban immigrants. What do you think of Acosta in this role? No, it's good. It it makes sense. I mean, he's going to be someone who is going to be easy to confirm. Uh, I mean, Democrats are even saying... Uh, they're probably going to, you know, vote for him. Uh, he, he's very harmless. Um, he's someone who, you know, President Trump can now say, uh, "I have a Hispanic on my cabinet." Not, not that the, you know that's a requirement, but it's a talking. It'll, it'll, it'll get a talking point away from some some of these Democrat and progressive groups about President Trump's lack of Hispanic representation in the cabinet. So he's, he's going to be a, he's going to be a good cabinet secretary, and it should be very easy to confirm. Okay, great. And uh, the meeting that's going on between. Uh, Tillerson and uh, senior Mexican officials over, well, everything having to do with our southern border and, and the U.S.-Mexico bilateral relationship, uh, the Mexican government, or at least some members of the Mexican government, senior members, said that they're not just going to comply with what the U.S. wants, sort of ratcheted up tensions before this. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. do, what, do you, what are your expectations for what's going on down there? Well, uh, I think you know, it's fine for us to, to, to play hardball with Mexico. I mean, Mexico also uh, has shown a tendency to, to avoid making some hard decisions in terms of creating economic, economic opportunities for Mexicans in Mexico, uh, which is something that I've been arguing for. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's, it's important that we put pressure on Mexico. But uh, this whole idea that we're going to basically um, force uh, or compel Mexico to pay for the physical border wall and the U.S.-Mexico border uh, to me, uh, it's still something that I, I have a hard time believing how Mexico would, would ever, ever agree to something like that. Do you think Mexico is going to, uh, uh, I, mean, I think the main objection I've seen so far has to do with if we deport people, even who aren't Mexican, but predominantly, uh, at least from what I've seen, those who are crossing the border illegally in recent years are Central American crossing through Mexico. So the Trump administration is saying whether they're Mexican or Central American, we're just we're just going to drop them back on the other side of the border when we catch them and when we pick them up making an illegal crossing. Mexico is pushing back on that, but I I feel like there might be uh this might be a contentious point. I'm not sure the I'm not sure the Trump administration is going to just give up on this one. Yeah, and 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 there's maybe there's maybe a case to be made for that, but you know Mexico, you know one thing to keep in mind, Buck, is that you know the Mexican president Peña Nieto and his party uh, have very, very low approval ratings. And so the more that they attack President Trump, that they, the more they, they sort of stand up to President Trump and the U.S., the better that helps them. 
And so a lot of that, this is the political calculation happening in Mexico. So I would, I would, I think that that's important to keep in mind, um, whether or not some of these things about paying for the border wall and, you know, the, the, the migrants that are sent back to Mexico, uh, not sure that's going to be resolved overnight, but in the meantime, uh, this is something that the Mexican politicians and Peña Nieto is going to use to their advantage. And uh, you also write about um, uh, healthcare on OpportunityLives.com. And I wanted to ask you about how you say consumer-driven healthcare is possible. Just ask Indiana. What can we learn from Indiana about healthcare? Right, yeah. So, uh, I mean, as you know, Buck, uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, when Republicans talk about uh, the, the replacement piece of Obamacare, uh, one of the things that comes up is, is this idea of health savings accounts. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Republicans often get criticized. They will well, show me examples where this is happening. And um, actually, this is happening in, in, in Indiana. Um, it, it's, it's a small program, but it's, it's, it's called uh, Healthy Indiana Program, HIP 2.0. Um, and, and it's working pretty, pretty well. I mean, uh, folks who have signed up for this program are, are reenlisting. They're paying uh, money out of their own pocket. They have ownership uh, of their HSA. And so um, to me, this is proof that, you know, when Republicans are talking about a replacement piece, about empowering consumers, this is possible. It's happening in Indiana at a smaller scale, but uh, I think that that's something to build upon. Uh, why do you think the Obamacare repeal is taking so long? I mean, what is the problem here? <laughs> well, uh, it's partly, uh, I think, the question of, of centrist, moderate Republicans, and then, uh, you know, more conservative Republicans. And, and at the end of the day is, uh, you know, do we wait for a replacement plan before voting in a repeal plan? Uh, that, I think that's the, that's the holdup. You can imagine who's who's arguing for what. Uh, but, you know, I expect, I think this is, this is important for Republicans. I feel like they need to deliver uh, because I think Republicans are expecting um, uh, yeah, Republican voters are expecting Republicans to repeal Obamacare, and if they, if they fall short of that, that's going to be problematic for them uh, in two years' time. All right. Israel Ortega, he is a senior writer for Opportunity Lives. Uh, anywhere else you want to direct people listening, Israel, to your work? Yeah, no, uh, thanks, Buck. Uh, just uh, at Izzy Ortega, you can follow me on Twitter, at Izzy Ortega. Uh, like you, I'm, I'm, I'm always on that, and so uh, you can follow me and keep up with me what I'm doing there. All right, Israel, thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate it. Thanks, Buck. And team, we'll be right back. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. Listening to the Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Team, there are people who are showing up at these uh, town halls all over the country. Uh, well, in a few places, I think the media is, you know, trying to get this narrative going more than the facts would lead one to. But this is, uh, this is of course an opportunity for people to grandstand and talk about how terrible Republicans are. Um, so. That's happening. But then there was this. There was a do we have this audio of a seven year old speaking to Senator Cotton? Please play it. Wait, did we did that work? I just, all I heard was white static noise. Hello? Oh, it's not working, guys. All right. I'm sorry about that. Um, anyway, uh, OK, so this is what ends up happening. A, a seven year old. Um, 
a seven-year-old gets up and asks uh, Senator Cotton about how he doesn't want PBS to be defunded because of the wall. And I just have to say, um, do we really think that a set? I mean, I, I barely remember anything from when I was seven, but I, I'm, I'm pretty darn sure that I wasn't busting out the spreadsheet and wondering aloud about uh, how one would go about uh, politics like this. I'm pretty sure I was never sitting around saying, well, PBS, you know, this is a time when uh, PBS is going on, going through a rough patch and the federal government uh, should not be taking funds away from PBS in order to fund a wall. I mean, does anyone really think a seven-year-old came up with this on his, on his own? And the media holds us up and it becomes this, this viral moment. And I, I just, for me, I look at this and I say to myself, okay, well, this all feels very fakey. Um, this all quite obviously is somebody, adults told the kid to say this. Um, but I, I wonder, it's very hard to separate out, at least for me at this point, who that is doing this, right? Who that is engaged in um, these sorts of town hall exchanges with uh, various members of Congress and senators. Uh, who is for real, who is a grassroots conservative activist or what have you, versus who is a plant by progressive activists? Because this is a great, this is a great way for them to get sound bites that the media picks up, all under the guise of this is a revolt uh, against the Republicans because they haven't done enough already. It's the the purpose, it seems to me, in much of the media's coverage of the way that things are going for this administration and for this Republican uh, majority Congress. Um, the purpose of all this seems to me to be um, to make it look like there's an anarchy happening. That is the purpose of this. That is why they are doing what they are doing. And I just have to say, I find it. Uh, very distressing that so much of the media will run with this and not even apply the basic scrutiny of, you know, hey, uh, this whole situation that's playing out here with this kid asking this question seems a little staged to me. I'm just going to put that out there. It, it strikes me as odd that a seven-year-old is asking astute political questions that also, of course, uh, make the administration or, or make the Republicans look mean and heartless. I, I just, you know, but but it's it, if the soundbite works, even if it works for a day and they find out later on that this was a plant, well, you know, then from there, they'll just, uh, you know, they'll figure it out, I guess. They, they've already gotten what they wanted out of this whole process. Um, but, you know, re Republicans at this point, there's not really much to get the conservative base fired up about. So I can understand why there's some agitation at these town halls. You had a, a woman, we played it yesterday on the night show, who showed up at Mitch McConnell's town hall in Kentucky. And you really get the sense that the, a lot of these reps and, and elected officials, the last thing they really want is to face the, um, you know, is to face their constituents. Uh, that, that for them is like, oh gosh, really? I have to do this now? Um, but, you know, it's... Uh, it's one of those things uh, that you see these Republicans having to stand up there and, and they have these constituents. Do we, we don't have the Mitch McConnell audio, do we? I didn't look at that. In the, uh, anyway, if we, 
Oh, we don't. All right. Sorry. I thought I was looking through our, our clip list here. I thought maybe we could pull that one out. But yes, yeah, CNN tweeted out, seven-year-old to Senator Tom Cotton, don't take away PBS kids to build a wall. Yeah, because this kid came up with that. I mean, thanks. Thanks, CNN. This kid came up with that on his own. Um, and it's just ridiculous. It really is. Um you know, I mean, look, the, the kids, it's fine if the kid wants to say that. And even if a parent told them and free speech and all that, I get it. But the, the perception here isn't or, or the, the story that this is coming from a kid because, oh, look at that. Isn't that, you know, kids say the darnest things. Isn't that so cute? That's just not real. And all these town halls with Republicans. I don't know. I, I want to see what they uh, what they tackle as main issues uh, when they get back. Um, I want to see what they are. um want to see what they are planning uh, because so far it's been really from my perspective and, and I know that maybe this is impatient but it's been really lackluster on the Republican side they really haven't been um, you know they haven't been able to come up with uh, any policy agenda item to get through at this stage now people say that Obama got through uh, what was it, the stimulus plan at this point but to be fair to the Republicans, the stimulus plan, one, didn't work the way it was supposed to work, which even the Democrats, although now they'll probably say that that's not true, at the time they were saying, well, it wasn't big enough. So they admitted it didn't work and they wanted to spend more money, but now they probably say, well, it was actually pretty good because, you know, Obama didn't, he's a Democrat. But the stimulus was just, let's just throw a lot of money at things we want to throw money at and uh, do it under the, uh, under the uh, guise of this is a crisis. So that's not really fair. Um, that's not really fair uh, to, to compare them to that. But I do hope Republicans get some stuff done. We're hearing now, what is it, Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, says that tax reform um, tax reform is coming in August. Well, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see if that, in fact, happens. Um, I don't know if tax reform is going to be... Uh, on time and on schedule. I, I wonder, I worry that this is just going to keep getting delayed and delayed because I don't know, Republicans don't have the stomach to do what they say they're going to do. I'm not really, I'm not really clear on why this keeps getting pushed back. I know they say it's complicated and it takes time. What do all these think tanks in DC do again? And the members of Congress that have been sitting there in opposition when the Democrats had control, they're saying, just give us the power and we'll get it done. Well, it seems like it's give us the power, we'll get it done within a few years. But that's not really what we signed on for, is it? I find this all quite strange. So we'll have to see uh, whether, you know, these town halls, I think some of this is progressive infiltration. I think Trump was telling the truth when he tweeted that it was progressive infiltration. But I also think that some of this is a sense of unease that Republican reps may be, um, may be losing their nerve. Uh, 888-900-3393 team uh, do call in love to chat with you we've got some spots open on the lines we'll be back right after this break The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network Show. 
Our team, we're joined by our friend Adam Credo, who's senior writer for the Washington Free Beacon, and he's down at CPAC. What's up, Adam? Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, thanks. Uh, scoping out the scene here down at CPAC. Yeah, tell me about it. How's it going? Um, you know what? It actually looks pretty good. Uh, full, as always. Um, I gotta say, people are a little bit more upbeat this year than they were last year. Uh, definitely noticing that. Okay, that's good. So, uh, what are some of the exciting... I mean, I know we weren't going to talk about CPAC today, but since you're there, what are some of the exciting sure. things you're up to? Well, we're waiting for uh, Steve Bannon to come on stage. That's happening in just a couple minutes. But I will tell you, uh, just a bit earlier, I did a roundtable, small gathering of reporters with uh, Senator Cruz, and that was actually really fascinating to me, um, you know, my wheelhouse. So I focused on the national security front and asked him a little bit about uh, Michael Flynn, this resignation story that I had reported and broke about um, Flynn kind of being pushed out due to targeted leaks by Obama administration holdovers and loyalists. And Cruz seemed to agree with that. Now, he told me that Look, if you, uh, as the White House says, if you don't inform the vice president about a call, there's probably grounds for that. But in terms of what Flynn did, holding these conversations with Russian officials, there's nothing untoward here. There's nothing inappropriate. The real crime is the leak of this information by those individuals in the intelligence community who are really looking to undermine Flynn course, the Trump national security team. So I found that fascinating. The other thing I'll tell you about um, on Iran, a point of disagreement, actually, between Cruz and Trump. Uh, Cruz, as we know, advocated for removing the Iran nuclear deal wholesale, just getting rid of it, tossing in the trash. He still believes that, but um, he's hoping that Trump, who doesn't really want to scrap the deal but negotiate it, will rigorously enforce that is stop letting Iran fire missiles, ballistic missiles, things of this nature. So I found that particularly fascinating. Tell me about some of the pieces you have up on freebeacon.com. European counterterror official, IRGC Muslim Brotherhood are not terror groups. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's a fascinating one. This comes from uh, a European official. He works for the OSCE um, and government in the European Union and actually is um, really a, a leading voice on counterterrorism and um, combating radicalization, things of this nature. His name's Peter Newman. And I think it was shocking to a lot of people in that community to see him say that one, the IRGC is not a terrorist group and should not be designated as such, but also the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, he claims, is not a terrorist group and not sh- and should not be formally designated. I think that's a bit surprising, but it also uh, really speaks to a larger kind of perspective we see um, Europe's fight to combat terrorism. You wonder why they're having trouble with this. I think it comes from a failure to actually identify what the risk is, from whom it's originating, and taking action to uh, combat this. And that would be really designating the IRGC and the Muslim Brotherhood, both of whom in Europe are waging and orchestrating terror attacks, particularly the IRGC, which really is, uh, in terms of terrorism, one of the most nefarious actors across the globe. Now, tell me about Iranian dissidents as demand investigation into Islamic regime's secret U.S. lobbying network. 
Mm, this is actually a really good one, and I, I was really glad I was able to get this story out there. This is somewhat unprecedented. This is a group of nearly 100 Iranian dissidents. They come from all sectors of society. Some of them are uh, in the government. Some of them are in real estate. Um, some of them uh, operate elsewhere in like the human rights world, things of this nature. All of these people came together to say one simple thing to Congress. We need to start investigating this lobbying network um, that claims to represent the Iranian-American community, but really has done things like push the Iran nuclear deal, uh, bolster the re- regime in Tehran, and is really not actually representative of the dissident community. These people want regime change. These people want a secular government. They don't want the mullahs in charge. So these people are coming together to say that, look, if you hold hearings, we will give you the truth. We'll tell you what the organizations are that are lobbying in the U.S. We'll tell you what the organizations are that are co-opting things like Voice of America's Persian service, which has done a lot of Iranian propaganda. I've written about that in the past. And these people want to see some actual change, and they think they can get it with the Trump administration. All right. And uh, we got one more up here. Uh, U.S. government computers still not safe from cyber attacks. Tell me about that. Oh, this is, I would honestly got to say, this is almost an evergreen story. I mean, once a quarter, at least, we see a report from the Government Accountability Office saying that, guys, your computers aren't safe. You're being infiltrated on a daily basis, and you're not actually taking steps to counter this. So yet again, that is what this report says. I believe over the past 10 years, according to this report, um, they've identified about 2,500 major weaknesses in the computing network. That is computers that are linked between federal agencies within federal agencies and beyond. And these computers uh, are honestly running on a lot of outdated software. And the GO said, look, guys, here are some simple fixes. Uh, about a thousand of those yet to be implemented. They're moving very slowly. And in the meantime, we see an uptick in hacking from Russia, from Iran, from other nefarious actors, whether there are people looking to um, undertake financial crimes or, of course, steal state secrets. And these computers remain vulnerable to these types of attacks. And I would say, uh, yeah, you identified 2,500. That's great. But I think that there are uh, an untold number of other vulnerabilities uh, in the government computing systems that probably need to be addressed. They should get some real experts in there. But according to this report, they don't actually have them. So um, uh, for the time being, we're we're still just as vulnerable to whether uh, hacking of the infrastructure, that is our electrical grid, things of this nature, hacking in terms of state secrets, we're just as vulnerable as we ever have been. Now, what are some of the uh, na- who are some of the national security folks that are going to be talking down at CPAC? By the way, um, so we saw Cruz earlier today, um, though he didn't touch on national security as much as I might have liked him to in the public forum. He did in the private forum with uh, me and other reporters. Um, I think we'll see Bannon touching on some of this stuff. We've already heard from speakers who are really out there defending the. Trump uh, immigration halt, that is the ban stopping immigration from these countries of concern, these terrorism hotspots. And I think the argument being made is one that's very simple and easy to kind of digest, not just for the crowd who want it, but for the crowd who might not be willing to uh, accept its message. That is more of the liberal voters, the anti-Trump people. But that is that, look, 
Our nation's borders are vulnerable, and it's not just an issue of immigration. It's a national security issue. That is the infiltration of potential terrorists, those who have radical ideologies. And I've seen a lot of that from the podium, and I think that's important. I think that's really kind of the uh, core argument here. It's not about... Um, rallying against any one type of immigration, whether it be from the southern border or from foreign nations uh, that have Muslim majorities. It's about national security and stopping potential threats to the country. And are you hearing anything down there about the investigations into Russia? Is that is anyone? I know it's CPAC and Trump is the president. You're probably not. You know, no one's holding a big yeah. banner up that says I, I I want Russian investigations. But we have heard from some Republicans that they're pushing for this. Is there any talk about any of that stuff? Well, you know, I I haven't heard that from the podium. I did hear that from uh, Senator Cruz in the Reporters Forum. Um, He actually talked a bit about how he would prefer the Trump administration take a little bit of a rhetorical tougher tone on Russia that is calling Putin a thug, as Cruz put it, and uh, really putting out there the fact that, look, uh, these guys do a lot of bad things and they need to be held to account for the bad things that they do. Um, The other thing that Cruz touched on in particular that I had heard from other speakers is an investigation into Flynn. That is not him necessarily doing anything illegal, but how these leaks got out there. That I think is going to be really a key thing to look at going forward. That is naming, putting names to these faceless bureaucrats who leaked extremely classified information. Uh, So I think that's going to be important going forward, too. So they're they're going to pursue that investigation. That is the that is still the word down there. Well, the intel committee, yeah, the intel committees have said this, and I, I don't think there's anything to stop them. Uh, quite honestly, now look, these are going to be bipartisan committees. It's not just Democrats or Republicans helming them. It's the intel committees working together. These guys already um, have proven that they can work together, both Republicans and Democrats. So I think there's going to be a real pursuit to get to the truth. And when you look at the truth and what is illegal versus um, uh, not illegal. Flynn's calls were not illegal. Nothing untoward in that sense happened there. But leaking this information, that is the content of these calls. That is highly illegal and a serious felony. Yes, yes, it, 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 it is. It is indeed. Uh, I remember this from my time in the agency. There's certain things that you can get in a lot of trouble for, and that <laughs> yeah. is... That is definitely one of them. Uh, Adam Credo is a senior writer for the Washington Free Beacon. He is at K-R-E-D-O-0 on Twitter. Yes. Uh, Before we let you go, Adam, uh, so CPAC, if people want to watch, there's a live stream of it, right? I believe that there is, although, look. Are you going to be doing any interviews or anything? If we we want to ride along with Credo down at CPAC, how do we do that? Well, look, um, obviously the Twitter feed, K-R-E-D-O-0, as you said and anything that pops up interesting you can be sure i'll be putting a headline on it and getting it on freebeacon.com all right adam thanks so much for calling in buddy good to talk to you always my pleasure sir all right team uh, phone lines are open 888-900-3393 we'll be right back this is the buck sexton show on the blaze radio network All right, Team Buck, we got Brian in Massachusetts on the phone. What's up, Brian? Hey, Buck, Shields High. Shields High. Hey, hey I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, 
it's not just PBS, but it's also NBC that's using kids to push their agenda. They had a uh, something that's called uh, Dear Mr. President or Letters to the President or something like that, where they would just start talking all this hate towards the president. And I, there's a couple of reasons why I think they're doing this. Um, the first is, is their way to push their agenda without being challenged, because nobody's going to challenge a 70-year-old to a debate. Nobody's going to go into Fox and say, little Betsy Sue is wrong because of this. You know, it's, it's just a way to go unchallenged. And the second reason is, I think the actual target is the children of the people watching these news programs. You know, if a 70-year-old sees a 70-year-old talking about this kind of stuff, now you got to explain to your little kid, it's not actually just a wall. It's about drug smuggling and human trafficking and what's human trafficking. And it's just taking advantage of, you know, the minds of these, you know, the, the ignorance of children, which is probably one of the worst things they can do. And it just makes me so angry to see it. Well, I just, the, the report on this, I mean, anybody who hears the question this kid asked, there's no way a seven-year-old is asking that question, but all of a sudden, reporter skepticism just disappears out the window. Oh, well, I don't know. You know, maybe the kid just reads the Wall Street Journal every day. He's seven yeah, years I mean, old. They're, yeah, they're just trying to, like, force this this thought, this, uh, this feeling of hatred towards the president. Maybe they're trying to make the next generation of Democrats or something like that, you know? They're, they're thinking ahead. But, I mean, they got to stay away from the kids. It's just... It's just despicable what they're doing. I mean, nobody's. It's just a terrible thing for that to do. There's no morals at all. Yeah, I hear you, man. All right, Brian, thank you for calling in from Massachusetts. Shields High. Uh, Julie in Texas, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. Hi, Buck. You know, I'm wondering with all of this, um, they're, the posturing and the, the contrived situations like the one you're talking about. Plus, what's going on in the government, you having been a member or having worked for the government, what do you think the chances are that some of the infiltrators like the Muslim Brotherhood and some of the others that are, have gotten a toehold into our government, hopefully not a foothold, how, how much trouble is, is the Trump administration going to have Getting rid of them, cleaning them out, firing them, tracking them down. Uh, a lot. You're, you're never, I mean, the government is is overrun with leftists and Democrats. You're never really going to get rid of uh, the progressive impulse that the federal government has. And, and, you, and you, you, you can't and you really shouldn't, right? You're just looking for the people that are, are betraying the, the public trust put in them in order to pursue a political agenda, which I right. think even among the... Democrats uh, who are far left who are in government is probably a, a a very small percentage, although it remains to be seen how much obstruction the Trump administration will face. So, you know, we'll have to see. Um, I don't really know um, exactly what to expect from the, the bureaucracy as it pushes back against well, the Trump the administration. Well, the leaks are, are really concerning, too. Yeah, of course. I mean, but I think the leaks are from probably a handful of people. I mean, you're talking about a federal government with hundreds of thousands of employees, right? So let's let's not uh, allow ourselves to think that this is everyone in the government or even a majority or a large portion of the government. I think it's a very small subset of the government. Does that make sense? Yes, I hope so. I hope you're right. I, cause it, I hope I'm it, right, too. I hope I'm right all the time. That's certainly not the case. But on this one, I think I'm uh, I, I think I'm probably pretty close to uh, pretty close to the truth. So uh, your, we, background, we'll see. your background, your uh, background, Julie. Yeah, I, I, I take a pretty dim view of, of the federal bureaucracy in general as somebody who used to work for it. But uh, again, we'll, we will have to see. 
But uh, Julian, Texas, uh, Shields High, thank you very much for calling in. So everybody, if you haven't already, please uh, download uh, the Buck Sexton with America Now show, which is on every night, 6 to 9 Eastern. It's on iTunes, so click subscribe there. We've got a great show planned for tonight. And, of course, I'll be back with your, uh, you here tomorrow at noon for a little Freestyle Friday action. Uh, I've got a lot of thoughts, a lot planned uh, with all of you, so uh, please do uh, give me a uh, give me a call tonight if you can, and uh, tomorrow. Obviously, we'll be taking calls throughout the show as well. Uh, so iTunes, Buck Saxon with America Now. Subscribe, please. And until tonight or tomorrow, Shields High. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network.